Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratchard. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Hello and welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast. I'm Grace Evans. I'm here with Moses Bratchard and today I have some very exciting news for you guys. Today Moses is officially in a different decade than me. And so you can hold that over my head. So happy birthday to Moses. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Moses, I feel older already. I really do appreciate having you on the podcast. I don't think I've ever said that on the screen to everyone, but I really do appreciate it. I think, you know, every single every single week that we do the podcast, I feel like uh, our collaboration gets better, uh, just our insight gets better, and it really has been uh, a, a wild journey starting back, I mean, I don't even know what episode we're on, but we, we're pretty far in, uh, but it has been a delight to but, be. But the journey started before that. <laughs> because the journey started back when my wife and I taught uh, a Sunday school class at our old church. Oh, no. Oh, and no. And there was okay. one student. <laughs> Did I even and talk And there much? was one student who technically wasn't in high school anymore, I don't think, at that point, but sat it on the class. No, I was. You were still yeah, in high school. Yeah, I was a senior. Okay, okay. Anyway, so uh, that is how we met Grace, and um, and then eventually... We started doing a podcast together. For the record, though, I was working at MFC before you. That's true. That's so, true. As a part-time uh, yeah. coffee girl kind of a Yeah, it was an intern situation. It actually was. I started here as a public policy intern. But th- needless to say, that's neither here nor there. Moses, happy birthday. Thank you. Everyone, go comment. If you're on YouTube, put it in the comment section. If you're on Instagram, go comment. Happy birthday, Moses. We need to show him how appreciated he is. Truly, I don't say this lightly. I don't think I could do this without him. I Podcasts are so much more interesting when you have another person on the podcast. So true. And it just a conversation is so much more interesting than just Grace Evans rambling on and on. I mean, if the podcast was up to me, I feel like I would. it would be very scripted. It would be very formal. And it would probably... Yeah, it just it would not be what it is today. So Moses, really glad to have you as a co-host, best co-host ever. I should get him a mug, like the office one. I'll take that. Best boss ever. I'm always looking for good mugs. Hmm. Okay. For good coffee. I'll mugs. have to look yeah. into that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this week I just want to give you a summary of what we're going to be talking about. We will be talking about gender confusion. We're going to be talking about three stories along this topic. First of all, we'll talk about Texas protecting kids uh, with sports because every child deserves to compete in sports and desert, and the chance and to have the chance to win. Uh, we'll be talking about Rachel Levine and how he is the first uh, sworn in openly transgender four-star admiral. Finally, we'll be talking about some sex ed curriculum here in the state of Minnesota that is causing gender confusion and has very explicit material and what that means for our state. Without further ado, though, let's just jump into Texas, how they're protecting kids and what we can take away from this great piece of news, Moses. Yeah, so this is really encouraging. Uh, Texas is obviously one of the biggest states in the country, and it's so uh, encouraging to see them uh, take this step uh, to keep uh, uh, sports uh, integrity um, and fairness uh, on the the front of their uh, the front of their agenda. So uh, the ban uh, the, the the bill would ban uh, students who identify as uh, transgender from playing on a team that does not match up with their birth sex. Mm-hmm. Now, for many of us, this is just uh, common sense, right? Like right. 
Uh, we, we know that well, we know that men, uh, biological males, have certain physical advantages, especially after puberty, um, and and we saw that when we talked about the Olympics and mm-hmm. uh, in various ways. Uh, when when you have male athletes uh, on uh, female sports teams, they are taking spots away that that should have gone and would have gone to female athletes if common sense protections like this one were in place. So Texas is now the eighth state in the country. Uh, this is a growing trend to protect athletics, to protect female athletes especially by passing a bill like this. Now, of course, this is controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, you can read some, you can read these, the, the, the headlines and it sounds like, it sounds like it's a, a targeted, uh, a targeted, bigoted bill that's trying to prevent, uh, prevent transgender students from doing something that they should be allowed to do. And I, I think there's one, um, one particular quote from uh, a, 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 an opponent of the bill, uh, mm-hmm. Texas Representative Jessica Gonzalez. She says, we heard kids pleading to not put their life to be debated by legislators and talking about the harm it would have on them. And yet here we are. We are trying to solve this problem that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. calling the bill an attack on transgender children and an invitation for bullying. I just want to say, like, like this isn't an attack on anyone. Right. It is about fairness. It's about, it's a, it's about who gets to play on what sports team. It doesn't say that if you're transgender, you can't play sports. It says that if you're transgender, you can play on the team based on your birth sex. Mm-hmm. In general, that is going to be the best way to ensure that kids are able to be competitive on their own team without having an unfair advantage over other players and over other teams. You know, we, we don't want to have a, a, a girls soccer team with, uh, with five biologically male players who are then able mm-hmm. to sweep through the, uh, sweep through the, uh, the, the, the championship and that just wouldn't be fair to anyone. No, so it, this is women. a common sense measure, yeah. Grace, and I yeah. just don't understand why this is such a, uh, why this is such a cultural problem uh, that that we would, um, you know, like it, it's separate from the idea of identifying as transgender. Mm-hmm. If you want to identify as transgender, yeah. that is a completely different issue, which we have discussed on this podcast, yes. and we will discuss again. And we have an unwoke video on that too. And we do have an unwoke video yep. on that. One of our be- better ones, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, I, my beard was looking really good that day. That's what I'll, that's what I'll say. That that'll be my teaser to get you watch our unwoke uh, our unwoke video on that. So, but but my my last thing on this Texas mm-hmm. bill is just that this isn't again this isn't about being transgender. Mm-hmm. It's about fairness. Yeah. What when when students identify as a transgender, what uh, as transgender, what what sports teams should they be allowed to play on? Mm-hmm. Some, none, any team they choose. We have you you have to you have to choose, and the most common sense and fair. Uh, measure in my view and in the view of many people in this country a majority certainly in fact is that they should be able to play on the team that matches their birth sex the sex on their birth certificate every chromosome in their body and that's my last word on that right and i mean if we're going to do away if we're going to continue to allow uh, different sexes to play on biological girls versus biological boy teams then what you should do to be consistent is just do away with those different divisions, and we should just have co-ed se- uh, co-ed uh, co-ed sports because for both the sexes combined. Because otherwise, it just doesn't even make sense to have a girls' team and a guys' team if there isn't even any difference between the genders. Right. Uh, by that logic, not advocating for that. Actually, Moses, you're exactly right. I 
it's just we live in a world where two plus two does equal five and that scene is right <laughs> you know to quote 1984 which you should definitely read if you haven't already there's just there are so many things that are fundamentally true that the world looks at and completely bypasses and they say the opposite or they say something super contradictory i mean it is really insane that we do live in a culture where it is controversial to say that only women can get pregnant and it's just, right. it really is crazy. Even five years ago, that wasn't a thing. Five years ago, people weren't talking about pregnant people. I know. Or chest-feeding so persons. Quickly. Right, we, it we has. Were, my wife and I were at the uh, the birthing center that uh, were, um, that where we're uh, doing initiation and stuff like that for uh, in, in anticipation of having our little baby boy in February. So, so excited about that. Yeah. And uh, they made oh, us watch a video. Oh, you haven't told the podcast that the baby's a boy yet. No, no, that's that's yeah. a scoop. That's, that's a scoop. We we have one little girl, and now we're going to have a little boy, and I am just over the moon. So exciting. Also, uh, a little bit intimidated by that. I don't know why. Just seems like having a boy is going to be harder, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> if he's um, like you. Yeah, well, well, my mom <laughs> thinks that girls are easier, So, uh, but she never had one. So we'll see. Um, How dare you assume your baby's gender before it's born? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How I, I think that is horrifying. Yeah, it is. That it really I is. just I just potentially like and uh, I just potentially lied about my children's sex because we won't know. We won't know until he tells us or she tells us. Do you know that some parents <laughs> actually just use gender neutral pronouns after their child is born until their child grows up? And sometimes parents parents have been talking despicable. about some more. Uh, progressive parents have been talking about how they think it's wrong to name their children because how dare they like name their child or even the, well, but hence the rise of um, gender neutral names right, which we and, see all the time right and even uh, some people say some very progressive progressive people say that who are they to choose to bring a child into this world like it's the, which we've discussed did we discuss yeah, that on the, the podcast I didn't remember children. that yep. yeah it's crazy there's some really crazy stuff happening speaking and the, of that uh, tell us about an, another little uh, another um, a, a person uh, who identifies as transgender who also made waves this week. Ha! <laughs> made waves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Rachel Levine was just sworn in as our very first openly transgender four-star admiral. Uh, so this... Uh, this Although not in the Navy. So the wave thing doesn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> so this appointment, Moses, uh, puts him at the head of Public Health Service Commission Corp. Corpse. Uh, so it puts him ahead of 6,000 public health service officers. And he openly, he is a biological male, uh, but he identifies as a biological female. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have too much profound to say on this other than people have come out and said, I mean, Bakara has come out and said that this human health and human services secretary. Yeah. Javier Becerra. Yeah, he's come out and called Levine a cherished and critical partner in our work to build healthier America. So many people are praising oh this on the other <laughs> side of the aisle. So just there's a lot of uh, praise going on about this. And people are seeing this as a huge, a huge uh, step for the LGBTQ plus movement and community. And uh, yeah, Moses, tell us a little bit more, though, about uh, who got in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So. So um, I, I want to say one thing first. Okay. I think yeah. it's crazy that when you look at news articles about this, mm. they're saying that um, Rachel Levine is the first female admiral of the public health services. And I just think it's it's one thing to say that they're a transgender, that he is a transgender woman. Okay, that's, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But to say, like, 
female. Like that, even five years ago, it used to be like there were biological men and biological uh, mm. biological males and biological female. The, the, those terms have only only went out of uh, the, they only went extinct in the woke lingo five years ago, and it was okay to talk about someone being transgender but who is actually a male and now we're now we're saying not not this isn't the first transgender woman this is the first female <laughs> the, the yeah. this absolute actually, blurring of the boundaries between someone saying that they are something and someone being something and it's actually a really good point moses i didn't really think about that till you said it but imagine how degrading it is to women actually because imagine if we had a president like say biden decided to say that he was female and he was like <laughs> i'm the first female president i that's just that's so, so degrading because women you know have fought for we first we had to fight to get our vote we had to fight for our education we have had to fight for a lot of things and thankfully we live in a country where we have equal opportunity but when men are coming and stripping away the things that we ourselves should be achieving, it just, it really, it downplays the strength that women have. And especially with this, with, with this here, I mean, yeah, if Biden said that he was the first female president, I I would laugh first of all, but then I'd be sad because why would you take away something from women? I don't know. This is just. (sighs) No, it's, yeah, it's like, it's one thing to, to, uh, to put on a dress, mm-hmm. you know, as a man, I don't support that, but that's one thing. And then it's another thing to say, I'm a woman, give me the awards for being a woman. Right. Give me not. the plaudits. Hand me out the diplomas. First woman blank. First woman, you know, and it's just like, oh, please. Also, I have to say that I did not know that we had a uniformed public health service. Oh, I didn't know I, that either. Yeah, like the, okay. the, that's what this person is an admiral in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. not the Navy. Uh, as you said, they oversee. Uh, the commissioned corps leading 6,000 public health service officers. I did not know that, that those people wore uniforms. <laughs> In fact, I didn't really know that they existed. I, it's kind of like four-star admiral of what? Four-star admiral of uh, a bunch of nurses and doctors. He's the first female one. Yeah, That's yeah. What matters that, that, exactly. Now, speaking of, uh, of this issue, uh, the comedian Dave Chappelle um, uh, he got in trouble this the same week that this is this is going on. Uh, Dave Chappelle's uh, comedy special, The Closer, came out on Netflix recently, and there's been a lot of uh, a lot of heat uh, about uh, some terms that he used. Dave Chappelle referred to himself as a TERF, which stands for a trans exclusionary radical feminist. So uh, kind of like J.K. Rowling, basically being like, "Hey, I'm all for women's rights, and I'm all for you identifying as whatever the heck you want to do." But a man claiming to be a woman is not a woman. So that's Dave Chappelle's position. He even and he even complain, uh, He even compared um, uh, uh, transgender identity to uh, blackface, which yeah. is very controversial. I mean that that's that's like kicking the hornet's nest right there. And yet I and and so there's all this all this pushback. Uh, Netflix's CEO just just came out and is walking back comments he made earlier. And but they're not going to cancel Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle is making Netflix way too much money. At least that's my prediction. If I'm wrong, it's weird because honestly, Netflix is just there's nothing good on there anymore. I mean, my parents. Well, there's Dave Chappelle on there. <laughs> every time I rarely go on there because I don't have time to watch TV. But anytime I go on there, it, everything looks bad. Ever since I took I, the Office off, there's nothing good. I have to say that I uh, I kind of agree. Like I yeah. I find more on Amazon Prime, but yeah. but I or think Disney Plus is good because there's Disney movies, but except that Disney movies are bad. But moving on, um, Tangled, the best. Oof, Tangled is actually not that bad. I but, love Tangled. Yeah, but it's like. 
Okay, well, <laughs> do you want me to go on my rant about the Marvel Universe? No, we'll save that. We'll save that for another week. I did just see the new Marvel movie. Uh, oh, you did? I watched a Marvel movie with my wife, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and it was the most sophomoric stupid uh, <laughs> I just felt it was like, we <laughs> like I enjoyed the first one I enjoyed yeah. the first one I enjoyed the first one but I come to the second one and I just like the humor is aimed at 10 year olds hmm. dumb 10 year olds okay Interesting. but Dave Chappelle yeah. so Dave Chappelle and I think I don't want to dwell on this because I'm not Dave Chappelle but him saying that transgenderism is like blackface so blackface is when this is a huge thing back in the early 20th century mm-hmm. white uh, singers and musicians would would wear uh, black makeup on their face and, and, and blackface, blackface minstrels. That was a huge thing, and it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> like, it's just, it's yeah. not something anyone would do, and yet we have uh, we have continuous episodes of people like Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Virginia's Governor Ralph Northam, um, uh, continuing to, like, have these pictures of appearing in blackface. It was a thing in the South for a long time, although that doesn't explain how Canada's Prime Minister did it. Anyway, so... When you're when you put on blackface, you are presumably a non a non black person, a, a white person, or an Asian person, or whatever, and you're and you're for comedic effect pretending to be black. And I think we can all agree that that's not okay. Right, it's not okay. And no. and you are you are making light of uh, someone's something that's really personal to people. You are taking on an identity that is not your own. And that's what men are doing when they pretend to be women, okay? I, I, I know that's controversial, but I agree with Dave Chappelle there. If you are a man pretending to be a woman or a woman pretending to, man, to be a man, then in some sense what you're doing is kind of like blackface. So there's a lot we could say about uh, Rachel Levine and, uh, and whether he's the best person to be uh, the first female four-star admiral uh, or, indeed, the best person to be the assistant U.S. Secretary of Health. But more pressing matters and more local uh, matters that we should look at, um, uh, some really concerning curriculum being used in Minnesota. Uh, Grace, can you tell us more about that? Yep, definitely. So... Here, uh, the Minnesota Department of Health uh, is promoting sex ed curriculum that is written by a former Planned Parenthood worker, which should raise concern. So MDH, Minnesota Department of Health, promotes this organization on their website, uh, and this organization is very closely aligned with Planned Parenthood. So this organization is called Advocates for Youth. It was founded in 1980, and they work closely with Planned Parenthood to, quote, promote effective adolescent reproductive and sexual health programs and policies, and it's directly... Big red flag. Right, that is a big red flag. (laughs) And so I'm just going to read you some quotes about this. I mean, the... This this is from their website, Advocates for Youth. We'll have it on the screen here. Uh, This is their mission statement, right? They say, we will be able to shift the current cultural paradigm in which we live from one that too often stigmatizes youth and youth sexual development to one that embraces youth as partners and recognizes sexuality as normal and healthy. (laughs) I'm sorry, the language embraces youth as partners is really unfortunate. Let's not talk about that that way. (laughs) Am I the only one who's uncomfortable with that? I'm definitely uncomfortable. I'm 
uncomfortable with this whole thing. Whenever yeah. a health organization is linking arms with Planned Parenthood, that makes me uncomfortable because Planned Parenthood exploits women. Right. So uh, continuing with, with Advocates for Youth, their mission statement, they say that their organization seeks to redress these social determinants by working in coalition with economic and social justice organizations by engaging, empowering, and mobilizing young leaders from marginalized communities to serve as activists and leaders in the field of sexual, sexual health. Oh, no. Uh, and, and furthermore, they uh, they are LGBTQ plus inclusive, trauma informed, and culturally responsive. And so, obviously, there's a lot of language in here. This is just part of their mission statement. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of language in here that we recognize. You know, talking about race, talking about trauma, talking about LGBTQ plus inclusion, uh, sexuality. You know, there's a lot of terminology in here, and it, it, it's hard. But really, what I want to get down to is. There, uh, it recently came under fire here in Minnesota, this mm-hmm. organization, because of its educational program, Moses, called the three R's, which these R's stand for rights, respect, and responsibility. And this curr- I think they should stand for wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this curriculum is actually currently used in Richfield Public Schools. Yes, and others. Mm-hmm. And th- there's a lot of explicit content. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, they have high schoolers participate in explicit role-playing scenarios and that why would you do that at school i don't know i mean i guess according to their mission statement to it to promote inclusivity and create a safe space for lgbtq plus persons uh but this curriculum also it doesn't stop there i mean even at kindergarten young children are exposed to transgenderism as something that is true and beautiful uh and so really there's it is problematic and you know i have, I have a story about this um when we uh, so I actually spoke with uh, one of the moms who uh, is the subject of this article and who addressed the Richfield um, the Richfield City Council or the Richfield School Board rather, and, um, and this is just a really interesting story because this is a Christian homeschooling mom, so she's not directly involved with this uh, in the sense that her children are not participating in it, but she was at the park in Richfield. And she got into conversation with a Somali woman. And the Somali woman was telling her um, about uh, what her kindergarten-age daughter came home with one day. And and the mom, the Somali mother, started crying. Wow. Because uh, according to them, and we have no reason to doubt, to doubt this, not only was um, explicit language used to refer to female people, uh, Female, the female anatomy, but explicit pictures of presumably cartoons mm-hmm. of of uh, the the explicit male and female anatomy were shown in this kindergarten class. Now, the, this is one parent's one parent's testimony, and so be, on the basis of this, uh, this woman started talking to other parents in the community, and she especially noticed mm-hmm. that uh, Muslim parents, especially um, moms, were. Uh, not happy about this, right. and so and so. Long term is that she's trying to build a coalition to um, to uh, to fight this curriculum, and and uh, getting this type of news coverage is absolutely uh, one of the first steps. And we're also, as an organization, doing other things to to help this community and other communities fight back against uh, against this explicit sex ed. And I want to say something. One more thing about this. Um, it's like for for older listeners, um, you may think of sex ed as something that absolutely should happen in school. Maybe you took health class, 
and they told you about the uh, told you about anatomy in eighth grade or in high school or whenever it was, and they told you about male and female anatomy and told you the biological facts about uh, sexual reproduction. That is fine for my book. That's 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 what I had in in, in school at a, at a Christian school, mm-hmm. and there was no there was no agenda, there was no. Uh, teaching children about uh, teaching children about gender uh, and transgender roles and all that, and so like it's really important for older people and anyone who's a parent to realize that sex ed in public schools and probably um, some private schools, you know, you, you need to be vigilant about this, is a vector for bringing the sexual revolution home to your kids. So that they're not thinking of themselves as a boy or a girl, and they're not even at a very young age not thinking of themselves as a boy or a girl, mm-hmm. but you know as this sort of gender unicorn who gets to eventually yeah. decide, in the fullness of time, which gender yeah. they feel and like. I have an example of that. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I have the curriculum pulled up right in front of me, and for the second graders, one of their exercises in their curriculum is to create a Venn diagram, and the Venn diagram is boys circle on one side, girls circle on the other, and in the middle, anyone. Like overlapping, and and they have the kids write draw that on their own papers in second mm-hmm. grade. So you're absolutely right about this gender unicorn thing. I mean, what I was saying, if you even look up the three R's curriculum, you will see exactly what he's saying exemplified. We don't want to walk into too many details because honestly, it gets pretty graphic. Yeah, and, and this is not even is, the most explicit yeah, curriculum out there. Right. So be careful what you Google. Right. Is so all I'm saying. Yeah, this is a family program, so we don't want to get into all the nitty gritty. But if you if you do Google it and you're interested in knowing even more of what what is going on in our public schools, it, it just it absolutely backs the point that Moses is trying to make. And it, again, I guess this story also just it really shows the direct linkage between the uh, gender revolution, the sex revolution, and abortion. Because right. you know Deborah Hauser, the president of Advocates for Youth, used to be a Planned Parenthood director, I believe. And isn't that cozy? She, it's cozy, and she's she's actually come out and said uh, she's praised Planned Parenthood for their facilitation of fetal tissue and experiments on it because of its contribution to the advancement of human science. She's gone out and praised that. Uh, she says that she is so grateful for Planned Parenthood and its work to help minorities. Which, by the way. Planned Parenthood does not help minorities. I mean, they strategically place themselves in minority neighborhoods. Right. So acknowledging this linkage between Planned Parenthood and advocates for youth really is crucial to our conversation because Planned Parenthood specifically places itself in minority communities to target minority women, which is not in their best interest because abortion hurts children and it also hurts women. So there is a direct linkage, and whenever Planned Parenthood is out promoting some some sort of sex ed curriculum, or if a sex ed curriculum is right on board with Planned Parenthood, that should raise a red flag in our mind, and we should not want that in our public schools or for our children, because our children, quite frankly, deserve better. Right, right. they absolutely do. And, you know, the advocates for youth, uh, like, it actually could be worse. (laughs) The thing is that advocates for youth is a separate organization from Planned Parenthood, but Planned Parenthood North Central States, based in St. Paul, they brag on their website that they themselves are the largest provider of sexual sexual education in Minnesota. So they are they they themselves develop curricula, which unlike the Advocates for Youth thing, is not available publicly online. So you we 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 don't immediately have access to that content. But I'm certain that, as Grace said, the connection between abortion and sex ed is explicitly made because. I mean, the dark the dark reading, I guess, is that they're creating their own future customers, right? Yeah. And I mean, it, this just goes to show, this is what happens in a world where you 
put yourself on a pedestal above all other things. I mean, truly, when you yourself, when you are the very most important thing, then you're going to do these things. If you think that your conception of reality is what matters and is the objective truth, and if you believe truth is otherwise subjective, then you're going to end up with things like this. You're going to end up with women believing that they can kill their children or have their kill children killed by Planned Parenthood, and that's not a moral wrong. And that's where you how you end up with a whole, an entire generation being confused about what gender they are because they don't know if they're male or female, even though they were born with a gender that is ordained by God. And so they, they are very much linked together uh, with the rise and triumph of the modern self, to quote our friend Carl Truman. Yeah. Definitely an amazing book on this topic. We'll have it on the screen for you right now. If you want to check it out, Moses and I have both read it. Uh, great book. And it, it talks about this more, the sexual revolution and just the rise of the self. But uh, I think uh, Moses... Uh, now maybe we can transition into just closing in for a landing. We, I know we've had a lot of longer episodes lately. Moses and I have had so much to say, and we don't want to be overly long-winded every single podcast, yeah. even though there is a lot of news. Uh, Moses, what are you reading this week? Well, uh, I'm still working on the Russian Revolution book that I okay. talked about last week. That's and that's really good. And then my wife and I have started reading Jane Eyre. Oh, I love that book. Okay. I, I really like yeah. it. Yeah, we're a little bit more than halfway. Don't spoil it for me because I okay. do not know what happens. And uh, and that's just been really enjoyable. Um, it's uh, it's a different type of a Victorian novel. I read a lot of Victorian novels, but that it's a different kind uh, than than what I'm used to. So I really appreciate that. And yeah, actually, I kind of I'm kind of addicted. Wow, <laughs> so that's great. Yeah, yeah. So what are you reading? Yeah, so I'm reading kind of two things. I am reading Paradise Lost by Milton for school because I have a huge assignment due actually tonight. Oh my goodness! It's like uh, seven thousand words. It's a lot. Um, That's so long. That. Uh, <laughs> actually, I won't say on the podcast just in case, but I, I am great at procrastinating school. Uh, and then also, over break, Moses, I wanted to talk to you about this, actually. I read Dracula. I listened to oh, it. Oh, really? Have you ever listened to it? Already? I have, yeah. Okay, because, ah, good. I'm so glad. Because Wait, somebody, no. No, I'm sorry. Oh, have I haven't. I was Shoot, thinking of Frankenstein. Bummer. No, I've uh, never read it. Frankenstein's great. Shoot, that's such a bummer because... A lot of people that I'm close with haven't read Dracula, and I'm surprised because it's a classic. Anyways, I listened to it. I was definitely immediately drawn in, and the author is a talented writer. Like, he's great at describing things, but I guess I was just underwhelmed by it all, by the ending. Mm-hmm. Like, I was drawn in and stuff, and obviously it's a gothic novel, but it just, there, there was a lack of character development. I won't mm. give any spoilers, but I just felt like there wasn't, there wasn't, a character developing in a certain way and achieving something. Well, they well. I mean, be fair. They developed from being a character who had not had their blood sucked to be a character who had had all of their blood sucked I out mean, of them. Yeah, but I guess I don't know. I also I feel like there wasn't a huge takeaway from it. I mean, the takeaway is don't suck people's blood. I don't know why this is difficult, Grace. There was there, the only takeaway was like don't walk around outside at night. Stay away from bats. Like good advice for living in I Minneapolis. That, I mean, that's true. But I just felt like there should have been more. And I was reading some art- academic articles online because what better way to procrastinate my college paper than by reading a <laughs> classic and reading academic articles online. Right. And I was like, okay, have any, has anyone commentated on like significant themes? Because even as far as themes, I was like, what, what, what themes even stand out in this besides like blood <laughs> and death and ca- castles? Vampirism. But apparently there's this, um, there's an idea that some, some academics have propagated that like the biting of the vampire, there's a lot of women bit bit in this novel. Um, is akin to it like demonstrates women having sex before marriage or something. It's supposed to like defile their innocence. Okay. And I was like, that just sounds like a sexist feminist thing because they were trying to make this point that I don't know. Anyways, point being made, I just felt like there wasn't a huge takeaway. I wasn't really bought by that whole thing. Maybe I need to look into it more. But I need to find someone who has read it and 
loves it or hates it or something, and we can just talk about it. Because I think yeah, I need to I just need to talk about it because I guess I just expected so much more from it. So Dracula sounds really interesting. Maybe I need to check that out. So as I as as Grace said, uh, this is a bit of a shorter episode. Let us know in the comments if you prefer a shorter episode, like around 35 minutes, or whether you prefer the episodes we have been doing with a length more like 45 minutes. We are comfortable with either length and we're interested in what you, our audience, have to say. We're so grateful for everybody who tunes in and watches or listens every week. You guys are amazing. Uh, our audience is trending upward, and we love to see that. Mm-hmm. Please do... Uh, If you're on YouTube, make sure to click that little bell icon so that you get a notification every time we release a podcast or other video on our channel. Wish Moses a happy birthday in the comments. Please do wish me a happy birthday in the comments. (laughs) Please feel free to send money. And also, if you're on my best birthday present you could get me would be to leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. That really matters. Oh, yeah. Or, sorry, iTunes doesn't exist anymore. On <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Wow, showing, again, how old I am. So uh, this has been The Family Beacon with Moses Bratchard and Grace Evans. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening to or watching this episode of The Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at MN Family Council and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts, stand for truth. Thank you.